Just a wee recap on last week. Can I stand up? Is that alright? Because I don't like sitting down too much. Um, I spoke last time about hope and expectancy um, and living in the future tense. So living and calling out your future and calling it to today. So, and, and Jesus was, was good at that. He spoke into who you are to be and he spoke into where, where you're to be and he brought it to the present. And, and so what the, the problem we have is, as human beings is we see, all we see is our past tense and our present tense, but we, we, we fail to see usually our future tense and, and future tense is really where the spirit is ahead of us. And it's bringing us into the reality of our present. Sounds very confusing, doesn't it? Yeah. But, uh, well, it's, it's not, though. <laughs> so, hope. <laughs> so, living in the future tense. And revelation, here's the, here's the first big uh, quote of the day, right? Revelation of truth usually comes from a place of captivity, right? So, you don't understand your freedom until you fully can comprehend and understand your captivity. Wow, so that's true. When you're set free, and we use religious terms, and we grew up with it, you know, I'm free by the blood, and I, you know, I've, you know, nothing's holding me back, and you know, my past is my past, and all this stuff. But there needs to be a revelation of that that we are free, and to really understand the freedom of which we now live. We gotta truly see the divine line and say, well, you know, I was bound then. I was bound. In this particular thing, I was bound with this mindset. I was bound by these physical attributes. Yeah. I was bound by this circumstance and these people in my life. I was abused. I was, you know, I was the abuser. Let's let's put our hands up. You know, we've all done things which have caused us to be bound. So we really understand revelatory freedom when we can truly comp- comprehend our our confinement. And let's not forget it. We don't dwell on it, but we say, you know, I know where the line was. I know where God moved. I know when he did. And, and we can say that's my point of conversion or whatever. Freedom, like I said, you know, last time, it can be the big offensive door wide open. You know, I've been delivered. I've been free. And everyone's offended by your new lifestyle. And the light is, is, is offending everybody. And, you know, people think you're unbalanced and all the blah, blah, you know, this sort of thing. Or the, the other side of the coin is that God can just slightly leave the door ajar. And say, there you go. You go on through. The gentle, the whisper of God. It says, you know, you're free now. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> because some people have lived their entire lives being shouted at, and some people, a lot of people, have lived their lives in constant loud negativity, wow. where there's the loudness, not from other people, but the loudness in their own heads, where they're fighting those wow. internal monologues, right? So, mm. God knows then that you might not need the loudness of a conversion experience. So He might come and say, you know. You go on, I know you're sensitive to noise, you've been sensitive to abuse, you've been, a sense, you've been sensitive to hurt and all this stuff, so I'm going to whisper. And you know, and th- that's that scripture that I read last time, John 8, 32, you will know the truth. Yeah. Again, right? So we're coming from a place of you don't yet know it, but Jesus is speaking into your future and he says you will know it. So he's speaking the, the grace language of you may know it, not really but you will know it, yes? So you will know it, he's pulling it forward, so you now understand what truth is and what grace is in your life, and you can live with that, so you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So he's talking about the the intention of the physical uh, going into the future and taking that truth and talking about what it will do for you. It will 
set you free. It will not make you more intellectually uh, solid. It might do that, but that's irrelevant. But it will set you free in every area of your personal being. Regardless if you can string two words together, regardless if you're good looking, uh, like me, regardless, um, regardless if you've got it all together, but God, God will take it and you're free, right? All the details can be worked out later, but you're free. So anyway, you can't distinguish a locked door from an open one until you've pulled on the handle and nothing's happened for years. Wow. Right? The only way... Say it again. Wow. So you cannot, you cannot distinguish a locked door from an open one until you've pulled on the handle and nothing has ever happened. Right? So you pull it. You pull the... A door's a door. You have no facts about the door. Yeah. It's white. It's got a handle. You know nothing about the door. The door is a door when you're, when you're inactive to find out what the door does. So you sit and you stare at a door, but you don't know whether that door is open or that door is locked. And the way you find out is you stand up and you walk over and you try the handle. And that's the thing, many of us for years have been trying the same handle. And we're like trying and trying and trying. I'm not opening that door, I've tried for years now. You know, whatever that locked door is, right? You gotta, you know, I've been trying, I've been trying, and it just doesn't open, it doesn't budge. I had a pocket for the keys here, it just doesn't work, nothing's happening. And, and, but, but, there's a scriptures coming which is gonna really blast it all open. So I was, I really wanna hammer home the point of being in captivity to freedom, right? We were at the zoo there last week, and it, it, depending on what you think about zoos, looks lovely and you know, all the rest of it, but I was thinking about how a zoo animal comprehends its freedom. Um, and in many ways, a zoo animal looking into the sky at night from its own cell, or its cage, or its enclosure, right? Uh, it, it can think that the sky, all its life, is only this size. So it's got a square that it looks through. Now, I'm not saying maybe in the most sophisticated zoos, but you know what I mean, you know what, yeah. I'm, you know what I'm talking about. So, every night that animal looks up at that sky and it sees the same stars, it's memorised the constellations, it's memorised where each star sits, it's, it sees the brightness of the, of the stars, of the 6,432 stars that it sees every single night of its ex- existence, and it says that that's all there is. And all that animal will ever see is what it's been exposed to, and it says, well, that's the sky, that's all there is. That's all there is for me. And, and that animal can even memorize that. And that, that animal may have looked at that sky so many times and know, I'm just quoting what I've written, and knows every single thing in his place and every twinkle of the stars simply because that's all it believes that there is. And that's the same for all of us in that particular place in our lives. We've experienced something and we've said to ourselves, we know that's all there is. That's all there is to church. That's all there is to walking with God. That's all there is to spiritual life because this is what you've been used to your whole life. And you've laid on your back, the back of, you know, you've been offended, you've been bitter. You know, who hasn't been hurt by church and the yeah. abuse that it brings? You know, most of us, if not all of us, right? And then, so what happens is you get that picture of church because that's all you've been looking at for years. You know what I mean? You don't do what that particular group says, so you're not invited to the party anymore. Well, you know, I'm, I'm used to my wee square of stars, that's all I. And then what happens is when you step out of that, and then you have a true appreciation still for what God is doing in the community, and then you realise that there's a massive amount of stars out there which is uncountable. And you're like, well, hang on a minute, no one ever told me this. I've lived my entire life thinking that this is all there was. And God blows it wide open. 
And sometimes he'll use a challenge, he'll use an offense, he'll use a period of darkness in your life. He'll use a sickness, he'll use that unbelief, he'll use, you, could, you know, you could, you could walk through that period of real anger in your life and hardness. I mean, the amount of times I've said, you know, I'm so emotionless and then I'm yet so emotional when it doesn't really matter, you know. But there's that time of being hard in your heart where you're like, you can't look at another page of, of any religious book or yeah. text. But, because that's all you've been trained to see. Yeah. But there's so much more, right? Amen. There's so much more. <laughs> Pardon me, I'm sniffing and all, there's recordings and all, I'll have to edit that out. <laughs> um, so, an animal, right? Or anything living in captivity. What happens is the first thing you do when you bring somebody or something in that you want to keep that person bound, you want to keep that, and it's a tactic of the enemy, right? So you want to keep that person in his box, you want to keep that animal down, you break its spirit. You break that person to believe that there's anything more than what they have been trained to see. And all of us have been trained to see certain things and we think that's all there is. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You're saying the enemy breaks the spirit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is that understandable? So, so what happens is, you take a big bear, you see it all the time, um, you take a bear or you take an animal that's being trained and you lock him up with big chains and then what happens is he's, he's there every day like an elephant in the circus. You get the chain around the leg, right? And then it's like that for years and years and years. And then his spirit's broken because that's all it ever knows. It'll yeah. never go away, it never changes. His yeah. life is the same. And what happens is, this actually happens. So the circus master, the person will come in and take the chain off the animal. The animal still doesn't move. And he replaces it with a piece of string. And he wraps it around the elephant's leg. And he ties the piece of string to a stick in the ground. And the elephant can walk away from that. But because the elephant's spirit has been broken, not, that nothing will ever change. Oh. It still stays the same. It doesn't re- recognise that it's chains or string all along. Oh. And it's just standing there when it has the ability and the freedom to walk free from that situation. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> Ma- 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 Matthew 7 7, right? I'm just going to read it again so you know I'm not making it up. Um, and Jesus again is talking um, and he's teaching. And, and he's been speaking of, I'm just going to read again, but there's some points I want to pick out, right? And I think it's something that we'll maybe do the activation on at the end, just a reactivation of our faith to that effect, right? Matthew 7, 7, he's talking about, Jesus is talking about judgment. Do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Very sober, right? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give the dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Here's the bit I want to focus on, really. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Amen. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, through, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good, give good gifts to those who ask him? Amen. And finally, so in everything, do to others 
what you would want have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets right so jesus says ask seek and knock right that's what he says so that's the activation we'll get that in a wee minute but jesus has been speaking soberly about judgment and misplaced investment right so misplaced investment we'll look at that in a wee second but he speaks about judgment and he says uh, let me take this speculative your eye and when all the time there's a plank in your own eye we don't have anything removed from our eyes so that we can see clearly to judge someone else who still has this, the plank in their eye. We've read that all, all wrong, but Jesus says, you know, take the plank out of your own eye so that you now have the vision where that person lacks the vision mm. and so you can call them out to freedom. Whoa! You know what I mean? So we read that judgment, strict scripture all along. There's a Can you lot. Say that again? Because that's what yeah. I prefer to um, So you, we take the speck out of our eye. And we think that when we take that speck, out, metaphorically take that speck out of our eye, we are then qualified to judge a person for the speck that's still in their eye. But that's not the case at all. So what I think and I believe Jesus is really saying here is that now you've got revelation through freedom. Um, and you've been, and, and whatever it is, there's been that speck in your eye, which has made you disqualified as the next man or the next woman. You're now made free that you can call that person out to freedom. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Um, um, you, you know what I mean? So you then call that person out. Yeah. And so what happens is then you go in and you go in with your spiritual tweezers, so to speak. Wow. Um, because that's that's happened to you, and and you can take you can lead a person through the valley of offense because you yourself have been nearly killed in it. Whoa. You, you know what I mean? And the whole thing here, I mean, Tracy and I were talking about this the other, the other day. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and they turn and turn you to pieces. I've called that misplaced investment. Mm. Say that again there. Scripture? Yeah. Um, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, then you may trample them under, they may trample them under their feet. And they and then turn turn and turn you to pieces. So basically, there's a parallel. You've got dogs and you've got sacred, right? So complete parallels. And then you've got pigs and you've got pearls. So again, there's there's a, a separation there, right? So what we do is with misplaced investment, and we all know it, right? Um, we invest ourselves in people who are, who are never qualified to to really receive that. If you get me, now, now I'm not being judgmental when I'm saying that, but basically we can give our time, we can give our energy, we can, we, we can be who we are called to be, but there is a, but we will, we won't be everyone's cup of tea. Mm -hmm. We won't, we won't be a joy to everyone. You're not liked by everyone, mm -hmm. and we are. I'm not liked by everyone. So we invest ourselves in places where it's not required. We. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter if you're the most beautiful painter. Invest in your time. People may not appreciate that. It doesn't matter if your jar, if the jars you use for your pickling are 18 karat gold. Some people just won't receive it. And we waste all our energy and all our time misplacing our investment in things we think will bring us value. What is sacred to us? Yeah. So what is sacred to us? We throw it out. You know, we've got some knowledge. We've got some information. We've got some revelation that God's shown us. And so what we go is we just tell the next person, it's not always going to be received. 
You understand? So we so we, we misplace our investment. We end up becoming disillusioned. We waste our time. We lose our energy. And what I, I'm sort of going off the track of really what I want to say, but I just want to you know because it's all part that judgment, misplaced investment, and then Jesus then comes in with this in verse seven. He says, uh, "Ask, seek, and knock." And what Jesus is saying is not from a place of what might happen. That's religion, right? Tick the boxes, tithe your tithes, sing your songs, uh, turn up when you need to turn up. See, that's what might happen. And he's not talking about that. Jesus is saying, I'm talking from a place of what will happen. You know, uh, ask, um, ask and it will be given to you. Mm-hmm. Ask, ask and it might be. Fill in a few registration forms and it might be. You know what I mean? Give your ten percent, and it might be. I'm not digging ties, not really, but you, you see the you see the essence of what I'm saying. And so we, so mathematical formulas don't bring us any closer to God than than a baby in a in a stall in Bethlehem, you know, sleeping amongst animals. You know what I mean? All the formula of the day will never bring us closer to Christ. It just won't. And so Jesus is talking from a place, not from a place of what might happen, which is religion, but what will happen. That's the language of grace. Amen. So that's the language of grace. And that's the, the currency of the kingdom. And we've heard that said, currency of the kingdom. You know, it's many things, but grace it surely is. That's grace. And that's our qualification to speak into people's lives. And so Jesus is speaking directly from the present to the future. Right? So what he's saying is, he says... He's saying, ask from a revelatory viewpoint that your mouth is and has been shut. So he's speaking into your future and he's saying, because he knows that your mouth has been shut, he knows that you've been silenced, he knows that you feel disqualified, but he's, he's calling out your future because he knows you're silent and he says, ask and it will be given to you. And it will. It's not yet been given to you, but when you ask, it will be. You understand what I'm saying? So that's the rev- he's got a revelatory viewpoint of your future. That when you ask uh, anything in my name, it will be done for you. He says, seek, knowing all too well that our eyes have been shut and our body has been stiff with fear for, for many, many years. So he says, seek, and you feel like you can't stand up. He says, seek, when you feel like you can't walk forward. He sends seek when you don't feel like you've got eyes to see a single thing beyond what you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So he's calling out the vision of the future to the present. He says seek. Am I, is this, everybody still awake, yeah? Yeah, Am I good? yeah. Sorry. 100%. Um, and he says, finally, knock, knowing for so long that your frail and weakened hands have given up that no one will answer. Remember I said, knock the door, knock the door. You know, he said knock, so he's talking about action. Not these are all actions. Is there anybody there? So ask, seek, and knock are all the same thing. All identical things. Because when we walk, we are, we are verbalizing our desire to, sp- to seek. Sorry, when we ask, we are verbalizing our desire to seek. And when we seek, we physically knock. So they're all interconnected. So they're not separate items. Well, I've asked today, nothing happened. I knocked the door of faith, you know, it's been ages, nothing's happening. 
You know what I mean? I've, I've tried all this stuff, but Jesus interconnects everything. And he says, when we ask, we are verbalizing our desire to seek. <laughs> really? Because wow. who are you speaking to? Yeah. Somebody's out there, right? Yeah. You're, you're speaking to someone who you want to draw close. So you're essentially seeking that person to speak back. And when you're seeking, you're actually physically knocking as well. So they're all interconnected. Um, and I want to say this, and we're going to just maybe move into time of activation. You can help me with this. Um, the years of exploratory investment stand true to us, even in the midst of momentary hopelessness. Let me read that again. Yes, please. <laughs> you can put this on a bookmark. Um, the years of exploratory investment stand true to us even in the midst of momentary hopelessness. Yes. I was thinking about this. I didn't get that from anywhere. Just, it's really just something I put down this morning. And I'm really just comp- trying to comprehend what that means to me even. That the years that you've invested seeking, knocking and asking are not wasted. Yes. Because God has seen you with your Bible. He's seen you, well, not, not that that matters really, but he's seen you at the end of your bed. He's seen you with the tears tripping you. He feels, sees you when you're, you feel it's qualified and when you feel it's all over. And he sees the investment. See, that's investment. That's true heart matters because that's you not on a stage looking Joe and Johnny spiritual. You know, that's not you looking something that you're actually not. He sees the fact that you, you don't want to see another person ever again. You're done with it all. He sees it. That's actually investment and groundwork for true birthing in Christ, right. true birthing in faith that yeah. stands to your strength when the door is finally open. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so let me say it again. The years of exploratory investment, so you're searching, you're exploring, you're investing, stand true mm. to us even in the midst of momentary hopelessness. It's momentary. Mm. It may be years, but in the grand tapestry yes. of life, it's yeah. momentary. Yes. So, be it in our younger years or be it on our, our later years and time and time is gone we just need to cry out and he hears us he does hear us I mean yeah. and that's where I'm going from on a personal level um, I want to see God do that in my life I'm not where yeah. I want to be I'm not where I should be and I'm not saying that in a religious way I'm not where I should be but I do know from my heart's desire I'm not where I want to be and where you want to be holds a lot more weight than where you should be because where you should be speaking from duty speaking from a, a lack of feeling it's speaking from a driven nature but where you want to be is all about your heart because that that shows your true identity so amen Woo!